the dark, whistling in the dark. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. That's right, they might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm very happy to introduce my guest here today, Mike Park of Asian Man Records and a ton of good bands that I grew up listening to. We're going to talk about the song, Everything Right is Wrong Again, the first track on the first They Might Be Giants album. Everything right is wrong again Just like in the long, long trailer All the dishes got broken The car kept driving And nobody would stop to ever Wake me when the tower touched my face Tell me every word has been erased Don't you want to know the reason Why the cover's not up in And don't you get the feeling That everything that's right is wrong again You're a weasel love who come with gifts Weasel lover come but not before the damage done Not healing doesn't stop the feeling Everything right is wrong again Just like in the long, long trailer All the dishes got broken in the car Mike, thanks for being on. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yes, I am. Uh, t- dude, I'm excited. You you can't be more excited than me because this is like, man, I'll tell you, those uh, Skank and Pickle records and just everything on Asian Man growing up. I mean, being in the Chicago suburbs, you... Why don't we tell people a little bit about Asian Man because I'm, I'm hoping there's some overlap of They Might Be Giant super fans and fans of your bands and stuff you've released um but just in case people don't know who you are could you just give us the you know the reader's digest version tell tell people a little bit about yourself sure uh i am from the west coast uh in a suburb of san jose california i was in a ska band in the late 80s through the mid 90s called skank and pickle and uh we were uh just a silly silly band but we love we were influenced by (laughs) Everyone from the specials to Fishbone to They Might Be Giants and uh, oh, yeah? just had a good time. <laughs> so you consider They Might Be Giants uh, an inspiration to Skank and Pickle? Oh, for sure. Nice. For sure. And we um, we were like we were political in the sense of being a band that wanted to uh, follow the footsteps of a, a band like Fugazi, even though it was very different musically. At least yeah. myself, I, I wanted to do it ourselves and we were a diy band that played ska and punk and um i continued that after skank and pickle i started asian man records and uh well how about real quick if if i was going to play one skank and pickle clip for the people what should i play ah, it's hard <laughs> to say that's a tough question maybe a song uh sing along with skank and pickle Ooh, and yes. let's a song like Smorgasbord Nine. <laughs> All right, here it is, everybody. If you haven't heard them, here's Skank and Pickle.
Faces in the icebox in the pickle jar Nothing like a tall witch doctor say yo Photos of the Kentucky sister King DJ yo Music is a blaring and a swirling and a rocking Shipping way out paper silver and a tin Fighting yourself to party Some place no one knows Gonna get a line for the smokers more than Yeah, there were so many bands that uh, when my when my wife and I first met in college, and we had been together long enough, we eventually merged our CD collections together, and there were many, many doubles that we sold off to buy more CDs because we had so much of an overlap in taste as it was, and um, Skank and Pickle was one of those bands where we both were into the band individually and then met and had doubles of stuff so <laughs> that's that's awesome yeah and i think she had um, ska punk rasta punk which i did not have so then that got added to the the dual collection <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i don't think i ever got to see you guys play i think by the time i was brave enough to go down to punk shows the very first punk show I saw was was Slapstick opening up. Uh, it was at the R- Riviera in Chicago. Slapstick opening up for Rocket from the Crypt and Rancid on the and Out Come the Wolves tour. I remember yeah. Slapstick playing that show. I wasn't yeah. at the show, but I remember them. I remember uh, it happening. <laughs> yeah. So I. So yeah. So I had never heard Slapstick then. I was a Rancid fan, of course. The big gateway band for me after Green Day and the Offspring and stuff. And so I bought that um, the Dill version of Look It. And yeah. a poster, yeah, yes. Okay, so so then after, um, so then after Skink and Pickle, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about Asian Man Records. So Asian Man was uh, basically with with Skank and Pickle, we had our own label called Dill Records, which was just a collective amongst the members. But I mean, to be honest, I did all the work. So as <laughs> as the band got more popular, and as the idea of the label becoming more successful. It, it was just starting out. I had put out on Dill Records the first Lesson Jake record, Pezcore, uh, yeah. the first Slapstick record, Look It. And they wanted to put out records too. And so I realized early on it, it, it's not going to really work when you have six members uh, thinking this band would be good or that band would be good. So right. I fell out early. And so I started Age Man in 96. And Man. here we are 23 years later, yeah. still doing wow. it out of my mom's garage. <laughs> yeah, your, uh, your mom's still, uh, it, it, was she one of those awesome moms like my mom who just totally supported everything you did? And is like, sure, you can store all these boxes of your stuff in the garage. Of course, to some degree, but she was very strict, a very like stereotypical Korean mom who <laughs> wanted me to be a lawyer or doctor or engineer and wanted me to go to MIT or Stanford or Berkeley or any Ivy League school. Were your parents so, born born in America or in Korea? In Korea. And I, okay. I was born in Korea too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so that yeah, so that that stereotypical uh You've you, there are like three options for you as far as your career, and uh, you pick none of them. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, I mean, even today, my mom is eighty-two, and she's still like nothing's changed. She still bosses me around, and I'm still intim- intimidated by her. Even as I I'll turn fifty this year, and I'm I feel like oh I feel still feel like that teenager, like oh don't want to piss piss off mom. 
Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So they, they've got to park their cars uh, out in the driveway. It's luckily it's a two car garage, so we've got the other side. Okay. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> um, what? Okay. So what? Um, let's play. Let's play another clip. What's What's one of your? Um, what do you think is one of the early? Well, I mean, I know what I would consider like my favorite early Asian man stuff. What is what is a track of of a defining Asian man record that that you'd like to I play would say for people? Asian man thirty four alkaline trio. God damn it! <laughs> First song, cringe. That's the song. Hell yeah! Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, we did, uh, Best Midwestern did a whole episode on that album. I've got the, uh, the vinyl reissue. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, so that came out when I was 16. So it was like the perfect age to be hearing a record like that because it was, different enough from the other punk stuff at the time it was just like a little scrappier because i was totally i was like an what you call an epifat kid it was all no effects lag wagon no use for a name all that really tight um tight double time skate skate punk skate punk right yeah i would call it skate skate punkish yeah so then alkaline trio is like man this guitar tone at first i was like Guitar sound really weird because I was I was used to like one certain tone that all those bands used sure. on their guitars, and I was like, man, this is like. At first, I was like, this recording is. I don't know if I like it, but then, yeah, like within that first year, me and my friends were all like, yeah, okay, this is where it's at, and then we were totally in, in that scene, and then all of the the slapstick family tree bands, all those bands, um, nearly all of them put out something on Asian Man. All those yeah. bands, yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the slapstick family tree, um, yeah. Best Midwestern actually did a um, this was two years ago now in March. We did a March Madness style tournament uh, with um, it was a ska tournament, Midwest ska tournament, and the final bracket. It came down to let's see, no, it wasn't. Blue Meanies got knocked out in the final four it was suicide machines versus slapstick and slapstick ended up taking it all and then uh brennan kelly came on uh to do an episode when slapstick won <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, it was really fun because we did fan voting like we did twitter polls and facebook polls so people could vote uh on the matchups and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun and slapstick came out victorious against uh we started with 16 16 mans Amazing. yeah it, it. it was it was super fun <laughs> Yeah, okay, so let's see. So yeah, Asian Man Records has been super influential, and I think one thing that um, you and your record label are known for is just being very... Um, there's like there's no dirt on Asian Man Records. It's not like 
I don't want to besmirch other record labels, but there's there's never been any like, oh, well, this band didn't get paid for this, or oh, these copies never got mailed out, or blah blah blah, anything like that. Uh, you've you've run a very very uh, fair business. Uh, I've you know every band that's put out something on Asian Man seems to have been very happy about working with you and with the label. So. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm just like I don't even know where I'm going with that, other than just like thanks well, for just, running such an awesome it's, label. <laughs> it's really it's. A, I feel like it's an easy thing to do. You just be honest. I don't promise anything. We're a small label. We have yeah. one employee. It's run out of a garage, like I said before. I tell bands I'm not going to do much for you. Basically, I'll put out the record. I post some stuff on social media and cross yeah. my fingers. Yeah, I don't know how the music business works. I'll be honest. Every time people talk about, <laughs> hey, are you going to be a South by Southwest? Are you going to be a Midham? Are you going to be a CMJ? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my money going to these music festivals because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I don't play the game. I've never, I've never played the game. I don't know how the game works, and I don't care. This well, is apparently, apparently you, apparently you uh, accidentally f- figured out how to do it because you've been successful for this long i think keeping i mean keeping the overhead down having only one employee and uh having a a a free free storage space in your mom's garage definitely helps but i mean you've released exactly yeah yeah you've you've released so much and you've you've survived for this long um i mean would you say i mean releasing physical media in this day and age is definitely a lot tougher. Are you putting, are you putting out less records a year physically than you used to? I, every year I tell myself I will. And <laughs> I feel like it's busier than ever. I can't, I have a hard time saying no to friends. Uh, and I feel like if you've put out a release on Asian man before you are, I'm obligated to put out the next release. Um, <laughs> which is tough because sometimes I don't want to. And I've actually had to tell some bands, I don't think it's the right move, but in most cases I will say yes. And that, that really screws up plans when I decide when I've decided in my mind, at least that I'm going to cut back. It it never works. Yeah. Problem with Asian man was, was I got older. I kept putting out bands that were my age and it just kept dwindling. And I, I had to make a conscious effort to start going back to the DIY punk shows. And I was going to all the house shows in the Bay area. Yeah. And I was this old guy, but yeah, yeah. find the fresh bands. And then we hit our, we hit our next wave with Andrew Jackson, Jihad, bomb the music industry, Lemuria, yeah. Joyce Manor. And it was, that was a real rebirth for Asian man getting yeah, back totally. into punk. What would you like to play from that? If we call it the second wave uh, of the the second wave of Asian Man, something from one of the bands you just mentioned. What uh, what should we play? Let's play Andrew Jackson Jihad. Now that changed their name uh, just to AJJ. Right. Uh, Rejoice mm. off people who eat people <laughs> are the luckiest people in the world. One, two, three, four. Rejoice, his eyes are big axes. Oh, rejoice, 
I love the 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 furiously strummed guitar on that record. I'm a big Mountain Goats fan, so when I heard AJJ for the first time, I'm like, that's the way you play an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yes, yes. I, so I, fast. I, yeah, I have a hard time watching him and not thinking he, his fingers are just going to bleed, but somehow he's, uh, he's built up a resistance to... <laughs> To constantly cutting his fingers. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's um, play play one of your more recent releases. I mean, you also put out a kids album. Was that last year? Or the year before? Oh, it's it's been a while now. It, I feel okay. Wait. Like what it am I thinking? That of? long ago. I Ogi Kubo Station. Yeah. When I'm telling you, I'm get. I mean, I'm I'm 37, but I'm already to the point where I feel like, like. Five years ago seems like yesterday, you know. Sure. <laughs> Wait, wasn't wasn't that last year? No. <laughs> What's something more recent of yours that that you'd like to play? I put out an album last year. Uh, the band is called Ogi Kubo Station. It's myself and my friend Maura Weaver from and the mixtapes, right? From yes, and we we had put out an EP of acoustic songs uh, in 2016. In 2017, but last year we put out a record with a lot of full band stuff, and nice. It's one of it's one of my proudest records that I've I've uh, worked on with my mu- of my music, and um, yeah. What song should we play? Take a piece of all that's good. It's uh, one of my favorites. start up an offshoot right a kids uh label it's fun fun records fun fun records that's right fun fun records should we play something off of how many how many things have you released on fun fun records we did we have two albums by a band called playdate which is greg and greg from the bouncing souls and his wife shanti or i should say shanti and his her husband greg and they put out these two beautiful indie rock records. If you didn't know they were kids albums, especially the first album, Imagination, it, it would just be this beautiful indie indie rock label, indie rock record. Uh, they they call this genre kindy rock in the uh, kids world. Playdate, that's great. Uh, we also put a record out by Kepi from the Groovy Ghoulies. Uh huh. Um, 
Jesse from the Agrilides put out a kids album for us, and Dan Dan Vapid put out two kids records for us also. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, and Dan Potass too from ME330. He was supposed to. He just has never. He's just never done it. Uh, he's never completed it. Uh, we also put out a band called Cuckoo Kangaroo uh, from <laughs> Minneapolis, who are amazing. Well, let's see. Best Midwestern is doing a state by state thing. We haven't done Minneapolis yet, so we should uh, play some of that. But, but uh, Dan, I'll tell you, ME three thirty, I think might be the only Asian man band that my band ever opened for. We played with them at a festival called Bounce Fest in Decatur, Illinois. My old band, Blue Bottle. We are a seven piece rock band with horns, and we uh, yeah played with them in two thousand two. And they were super cool, and they went to the, some. This is a small college, Milliken University, and uh, uh, they went to some house party with us afterwards. <laughs> nice, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Oh, super cool! I love the logo for Fun Fun Records too, with the with the red cat <laughs> and the blue dog on it. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, so I guess you know that that seems like a good segue to they might be giants because they're they their kids elms. Are the kind of things that um, are so well done that you don't mind ad- adults don't mind listening to them, and that's, that's the best. That's stuff. what the goal was with Fun Fun Records is to put out records that adults could listen to also. And the funny thing is, the reason I started it is because as a parent, when my first my oldest was born, I found myself playing music to her just to try to soothe her from yeah. crying. And I would make up just these funny songs on the spot, improv, improv, improvisational songs. Yeah. And I would remember them the next time. What worked? What, what made her stop crying? And yeah. so I, <laughs> I just kept writing songs in this, in this environment. And I thought, why not put out a children's album? And so yeah. that was it. The, genesis of fun fun records the problem is now as my kids are now 12 and 10 <laughs> i've got a lot of interest because they're not kids anymore yeah well now, so now they can myself, just now they can just listen to skank and pickle <laughs> sure. but it, it's weird that i've totally like i was i thought it was the greatest idea in the world starting fun fun records and now as I, my kids have gotten older because I was also playing children's shows and I yeah. was, I was on tour with Yo Gabba Gabba live. I did three months oh. across the United States as their awesome. super music friend. So I was <laughs> really, I was really all in for a while there. And yeah. it's funny that as my kids got, again, as my kids are older, I've lost interest. <laughs> Do you feel like, because um, I know they might be giants, um, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, their top five uh, best-selling albums are Flood and then four of the kids' albums. Do you, do you find the kids' albums uh, sell easier than, um, do parents buy albums more than the 20 and 30-somethings buy albums? <laughs> I would normally say yes. I just didn't have the infrastructure or the knowledge to understand how to break into that world. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I saw it firsthand going on tour with Yo Gabba Gabba and seeing parents fork out, fork over insane amounts of money for tickets, first of all, yeah. and, and, and then seeing them leave at intermission because they're 
two-year-old was having a meltdown and just <laughs> me thinking, well, there goes $300. And then for mer- merchandise, they wouldn't, no one would even blink an eye at spending $30 on a shirt that their kid's going to outgrow in two months. All right. And All so right. I'm like, okay. That's when I was like, okay, here, I've got <laughs> something. I can build on this. Yeah. But I, 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 I wasn't able to figure it out from a yeah. label standpoint. Yeah, it's 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 a different world for sure. Uh, the MIP Giants have have cracked the code with that, I guess. I mean, well, w- winning a Grammy with their third kids album definitely uh, didn't hurt. Uh, sure. So, <laughs> yeah do you uh, do you own those kids albums? Did your kids listen to those? Uh, did they, I guess to some degree, I think we listened up to the Playdate, the first Playdate album, quite a bit. But uh, I mean, the They Might Be Giants kids albums. They, oh, the They Might Be Giants kids albums. No. I did not introduce them. <laughs> Unfortunately, you, this, I did not. I'll tell you, because uh, yeah, my daughter just hit uh, six months, and um, so she's not really she's not understanding the words yet. But she definitely is a fan of. I'd say she likes, um, or I guess I should say I like. Uh, Here comes science out of uh, the five The My Pajans Kids albums. Great, great song. It starts with. I mean, it's almost a political song in a way. Sadly, the opening track called Science is Real, which almost seems like bucking the current um, political landscape uh, that seems to think that uh, they're flat earthers and anti-vaxxers and all that stuff. <laughs> like, come, your, your kid's album starts with a song called Science is Real, and they made t-shirts called Science is Real. And it, really, in 2019, that shouldn't be a bold statement, but it is. And uh, good on them for... Um, promoting uh science and research yeah. and uh yeah. believing the facts you know <laughs> heck yeah <laughs> so let's talk about your uh yeah your fandom with the uh, with the band then when did you get into when and how did you get into they might be giants so i was trying to think about that because i feel like the, the the first album came out in 86 is that correct yes but i remember i kind of remember 88 as the year that MTV started playing uh, Don't Let It Start. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's fact, but in my mind, I'm you know it's a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember how I, I got introduced to the, the band. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how long after the album came out that it took for them to break onto MTV, but 88 was when Lincoln, their second album, came out. Oh, uh, okay, so, then, so it's got to then... be, be 87. Yeah, because then, then Anna, Anna Ng, I think, was being played on... Uh, MTV from the opening track to Lincoln was getting okay. some play yeah, on there too. For sure. For sure. I, I definitely remember that. I was okay, so my timing is off just from my strictly from my memory. But it was definitely seeing Don't Let's Start uh and just going, Whoa, I I like this a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I remember going out and buying the record at Tower Records and then starting just to play those songs on my on my own, just covering them. Really? Bedroom. Yeah. And, nice. And did, so, did, you, did you ever learn everything right is wrong again? I did. I'm, <laughs> I, I can play it for you today if you want. I, uh, yes. I have my guitar. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Let, let's, let's make people wait for that. When we get to the cover section, okay. we, we can end with that. Yeah. So, okay. okay so, so just in general, your fandom with the band then. Um, yeah. Don't let's start is uh, for people that, so I got into them around Apollo 18. I was just a little too young when, I mean, I would have been in first grade, no, kindergarten when uh, the first album came out. Um, so obviously I wasn't cool enough 
<laughs> kindergarten. I was more into Rafi and uh, and stuff <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> um, so then, were you picking up all the records as they came out? Did you did you follow them as they went? I did after Lincoln. I think I definitely bought Lincoln on vinyl, and I think that might have been the last record I bought physically. Really, I, you didn't get flood. I didn't. I I just had Lincoln as my last purchase and i think i just stopped buying vinyl at that point for uh-huh. some reason i think i was just i was perhaps too poor that's mm. when i first moved out and i was a bus boy and just like really struggling sure. so anything extra uh, purchases wise i i just i put everything on hold Sure. And plus, I was super cheap, so. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, did did any of your friends, you know, did did you hear your friends playing Flood on cassette in the car or anything like that? I mean, you heard Flood, didn't you? Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I just, uh, I can't recall if, like, a certain friend in particular, if I was, if they were, if we were blasting that a lot. It, it doesn't ring a bell, but I just know for me, um, the the first album and then Lincoln, that was played a lot and yeah, also played a lot amongst our friends. We would just get together and play music, play acoustic guitar, and we would yeah, play Anang and um, <laughs> which is a hard song to yeah. sing and play at the same time. Yeah, the rhythm, that main rhythm there is real, real uh, jagged and um, syncopated. Yes, for sure. I mean, then, I mean, even, it seems uh, you know. Actually, when I did the Anna Ng episode, uh, the Star Fucking Hipsters do a ska cover of it, and it it translates to a ska song pretty well because right in those rhythms, it dun 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 dun. It's got like upbeats built into it already. <laughs> I haven't heard their version. We uh, Bruce Lee band did uh, "She's an Angel." I don't know if you've ever heard that. Oh, well, that's getting played. I don't care that this is not. I don't care that this is not the right episode. Or I'll save it for the when uh, Fran- Francis when Francis from Hopalong is on. That's the episode ah, she's going to be on. So that'd be she's going to rate that. She's going to rate that solo. <laughs> 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 we, we don't we don't score the covers. You know, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of good bedroom recordings of people just doing modest. Like I like trying to find covers that have like 27 views and like oh this is a pretty good coverage, but it's just you know some <laughs> some guy and they don't have a lot of uh, you know pull v- v- you know view wise. But who cares? It's good. That's, that's yeah. the kind of stuff I like to find. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll, I will definitely be checking that out. Um, so. So you were just kind of casually hearing them through the '90s, then, just like radio yeah, I, friends. I I was a, a fan, but I wouldn't say I was obsessed. Like I was obsessed with the specials, perhaps, or with Fishbone. Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I. But I would say I loved that band. I loved They Might Be Giants. I had seen them. Now I'm starting to second guess the year I saw them. I feel like it was '88. And I saw them, there was a club in Santa Cruz called OT Prices, which doesn't exist anymore. And uh, a couple of friends, it was my first year in college, a junior college, and a couple of friends said, let's, I want to, let's go see this band, They Might Be Giants. And that's why I, I was wondering when Don't Let a Start came, came up, because I don't recall if I had, I was really well versed on the band going to the concert, but that concert was kind of changed me like i was like whoa the power of two a two-piece 
Yeah. Um, it was pretty impressive that I enjoyed it so much. I went, they played the next night in Santa Clara, which is um, kind of near San Jose. Uh-huh. And I, I went and saw them back to back. Nice. That's great. Yeah. What kind of stage antics were they doing around then? Because they usually have. Um, <laughs> well, just, just just last night, I recorded the uh, "Lie Still, Little Bottle" episode with my friend Jared. Did Flansburg have the stick? When did they do the stick? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't recall. I'll, what I recall <laughs> is everybody. Like I felt like I needed to. I wish I could just visually show the people. Where you're just like making those big steps with your feet. Yeah, like, like in the Anna like, video. Yeah. yeah. Like, so the, <laughs> I honestly, like after that show, the first show in Santa Cruz, that's all I wanted to do. I was like, oh my gosh. And I, that's what I remember most from that show. Yeah, the, the listeners must know that uh, Mike was acting it out just then. The uh, the Anna Ng running style as they're running across the uh, the the graded platform on, in, on that video. <laughs> their their choreography is just it's just something else, and I think visually, as as much as the music caught that that MTV generation because uh, they were so different from the more traditional rock bands or new wave bands Mm because they just had this wonderful just dorky and didn't care like they just like we're gonna do our own thing like they they created their own world like no one else was doing so many of the things that they were doing i can't think of a single band that danced the way that they did yeah (laughs) i mean mean, devo would maybe be the closest thing sure i do remember also uh, one memory from the show the second show was somebody getting up on stage to stage dive and the look on, I don't know the John's last name is the Flansburg's Flansburg's the guitarist a little bigger. And Linnell is the the skinny keyboardist accordion. Yes. The look on his face was just of horror. Like, is this person (laughs) going to attack me? What is going on? And then the kid did a stage dive. (laughs) He thought he was going to get attacked. I I guess they, The second club that the the first night I went in Santa Cruz, it was a small place and it was pretty full, probably like a 250 cap room. The second night was a thousand cap room and it was empty. It was like 150 people and uh, pretty, (laughs) pretty cavernous too, sound wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, so I'm looking at so. Um, I bet you haven't come across the wiki. There's an extensive fan wiki. This might mm-hmm. be a wiki, tmbw.net. And I'm looking at, I, I was looking for, I searched Santa Cruz 1988 show, and I'm finding one because they have set lists and stuff. They, they mm-hmm. have one listed at OT Prices in SoCal, that's it, California. That's it. That's it. That's it. OT Prices. <laughs> yes. And then the next night, the next night should be one step beyond Santa Clara. One step beyond. So here in in at OT Prices, it says they played Why Does the Sun Shine, Hideaway Folk Family, Rabid Child, Where Your Eyes Don't Go, Istanbul. They were playing Istanbul already. Uh, she's a hotel detective. Don't let's start. Number three. So it says that's an incomplete list, but people, uh, fans that submitted stuff to the wiki, those are the confirmed songs that they did. That's um, crazy. Yeah, the wiki <laughs> the wiki is insane. So then we got um, – so then the next night, let me see. It should be, if, unless I'm crazy, is One Step Beyond Santa Clara. 
Yeah, I'm looking at 1988. Let's see. This the, the wiki's unbelievably thorough. Okay, wow. so where was that? OT prices. Here we've got two days later at DK's West Indies in San San Luis Obispo. Uh, Obispo. Not for no? me. <laughs> I no? definitely didn't go to San Luis Obispo. And it before was, that was, was Santa Clara. Okay. You sure it was 88? Could have been 89? I, I feel like it I feel like it was the next night. I thought it was okay. the next night. I could be I could be totally wrong. Because I had Martin. so March twenty seventh of eighty eight had Berkeley Square in Berkeley. March twenty eighth, okay. OT prices, three thirty, DK West Indies, April first or no. Uh, March 31st, unknown venue in uh, Pomona, California. And then we got uh, maybe, L.A., maybe San I'm, Diego. Maybe uh, I'm totally wrong because the routing, that makes sense because they're heading they're heading south from there. Yeah. I, I'm just going to check 89 real quick. Let's see. 89. They were touring so much back then. Oh, this is all like Germany. Wow, they played like 12 shows in Germany. Okay, so mostly in, in, <laughs> in 89, they were mostly playing the East Coast and Europe. Let's just look at 87 real quick. Why not? Let's do a quick scan of 87. The wiki is unbelievable. Uh, so let's see. Where's California? California. If it was 87, it would have been the end of 87 because that would have been the school year would have – my first year of college would have started at the end of 87. So it could, uh, what it could have, have been 87. It would have had them in 88. They didn't play California in, in 87. Oh, they played Second Story in Bloomington, Indiana. I played there right before it closed down. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, my band opened for a couple of polyvinyl bands over the, right before they closed it down because it was falling apart. Uh, I can't believe that stuck around that long. Uh, so I guess it was 88. So, um, I mean, that was a long time ago, man. I don't blame you for being being fuzzy on that. I mean, the, the March 31st one, three days later, it says the venue is unknown. So maybe it wasn't even Pomona. Maybe It doesn't have anything yeah. listed as the next day. So maybe they're just missing it. Maybe you need to submit it to the wiki that, hey, guys, they played on March 29th of 88. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who I would have been with. Um, what venue did you think it was then one one step beyond it doesn't exist anymore but it was right by the airport san jose airport (laughs) yeah i mean it might just be missing i mean it's amazing they have this much on here uh they have the next day they don't have anything listed the next day no it has the 28th and then the 30th is in uh san luis bispo yeah it's gotta be that's that was it i felt like it was the (laughs) next day that i went I, I know I'm I'm Facebook friends with one of the editors of the wiki, so I'll ask him about that. <laughs> nice, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, okay, so let's. Um, yeah, I, I think we better get into the actual song now. Have you heard the demo versions of Everything Right Is Wrong Again? If I have, it has been a long time since. Okay, I've so I'm going to send it. you a link here, and you can go ahead okay. and listen to. But the beginning is a little different, and the end is a little different, especially. So this is off of the 1984 promotional demo tape, and it was just called Everything Right is Wrong. The again got added later. Okay, here we go. Everything right is wrong again, just like in the long, long trailer. All the dishes got broken, and the car kept driving, and nobody would stop to save her. Wake me when it's over, touch my face Tell me every word has been erased 
So it's got a recording of the Apollo, Apollo 11 uh, astronauts okay. talking there at the end. And, and, and that, it just fades out. Yeah, and then just that one synth note. Dun, 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 dun. It's almost like the Anna Ng rhythm there. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think intentionally. Well, I find myself, with a lot of They Might Be Giant stuff, I do find myself like hearing similar melody patterns in a lot of songs, which is normal, I think, for a band that's, out lots of content yeah <laughs> lots of content this on the on the wiki you can score songs and it ranks them and i believe anna ing is actually number one right now but there's there's some things that are in there twice like you could rate this version of everything right is wrong you could rate the uh the album version okay but there are the there are 900 songs in the database oh jeez. They put it out twice before the album, uh, the 1985 demo cassette. So I'm going to send you, uh, they put out uh, this thing called the Wiggle Diskette, which is basically a flexi disc. That's awesome. So this is 1985, the year after. And it also came out on the demo tape number three. Okay. So this is a guy that actually has the flexi disc. This is a video of him playing Wow. Everything right is wrong again, just like in the long, long trailer. All the dishes got broken and the car kept driving And nobody would stop to save her Wake me when it's over, touch my face Tell me every word has been erased Don't you want to know the reason why the cover's not appealing Don't you get the feeling that everything that's right is wrong again You're a weasel overcome with tinge Weasel overcome but not before the damage done The healing doesn't stop the feeling Everything right is wrong again Just like in the long, long trailer All the dishes got broken and the car kept driving And nobody would stop to save her And now the song is over now And now the song is over now And now the song is over now The song is Everything right is wrong again Every movement falls Every forest waltz again Every five and dimes been gained and spent Tell me that you like my flow Top stream, draw the line, divide And the car kept driving Nobody would stop to save her
got the 1984 promotional demo tape. It's got the reverse tambourine. It's got the Apollo 11 in the outro. You've got the Everything Right Is Wrong 1985 on the promotional demo tape number three and the wiggle diskette that we just heard and then we get the album version the album version is the shortest version of the three because they cut off those long outros oh, totally okay so the song went from two minutes and 48 seconds to two minutes and 25 seconds to two minutes and 20 seconds on the album i think they should have done it it should have been a one minute song the song should have finished <laughs> when it said and now the song is over now. The song is over now, and it should have been done. I don't, I don't like the halftime. <laughs> but I, I, think, I think what's funny about that, the song is over now, and then it's not over. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> that is the joke, but just I thought it would have been the perfect song if it was one minute long. They're very. They're all about brevity as it, as it is. So, yeah. for, so for you, two minutes and 20 seconds is still too long. <laughs> well, n- normally not, but I thought in my mind, I think this song, if it was one minute long, it would have been the perfect song. <laughs> there have been no flaws. Like yeah. the song like Rhythm Section Rhythm Section One Ad, I feel like is the perfect song. It's just like mm. the perfect mm-hmm. length and it's just it's just so catchy and it's just like boom, it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the the album version, the one that um, most of us are most familiar with, obviously for obvious reasons. What are your so you you've already said that you you would trim the song, but what are your favorite elements about? Let, let's talk about maybe just the musical arrangement first. Yeah. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on that? It's the very first song on the album. So what what yeah. hit you about it, it when you were young? It's, it's it's a hook right away. So it's like. Everything right is wrong again, and just like in a long, long so you've got this, the hook, and then at the end when the synths come in, where it's just this playing this super catchy riff over <laughs> over the the melody. Yeah, it's just like oh, I just I love the their use of synths. It's just uh, yeah, it's so that, catchy. That part at the end almost sounds baroque to me in a way it reminds me ah. of the keyboard part on the beatles in my life because it's got okay. like all this little like because it's like like it sounds like it could have been played on a harpsichord you know in some mozart thing or you know oh for sure Vivaldi, i love it right I, I i love it it's just it sounds so cool to me i, I don't like the halftime part i want that to end i'm just like oh <laughs> That's cut it is. out, guys! Come on, cut I that like, part oh, out. Oh, it's it's just uh, again. It, it, I mean, it's fine. It's just it would have been the perfect song. Are you familiar with the long, long trailer? That's a reference to a movie. I am not. I have not seen it either. I'm surprised I haven't seen it just purely for the fact that they reference it. It's a Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz movie, the long, oh, long trailer. I, oh, yeah. I know, I know, I know the movie. Okay, have you seen it? <laughs> I have seen it, but it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. So I guess in, the it was in the color. I, yeah, yeah. So it's from uh, let's see, based on the 1951 novel, and the movie came out in 1954. So the trailer moves. Let's see. So there is a, like the song says, uh, "The dish got broken and the car kept driving." So the the right. What is it like? Is the trailers like it's like a runaway? Uh, they're in the trailer and it rolls. Or something. 
That's I good. Things are rolling around inside the trailer. So yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it, it sounds like it could be pretty funny. I'm a, I'm a I'm a Lucille Ball fan. I am too. It's just you know, again, there's just so much to consume, whether it be music <laughs> or or TV or movies. Like oh, there's not enough waking hours. That that is very true. Okay, so I'm gonna send you. Um, We've already jumped to 86 with the with the album version, but there's actually uh, someone has uploaded to YouTube a 1985 live uh, performance by the Johns. Okay. So this is pretty amazing. I'm going to send you this. So let's just look at a live version. We're going to look at a 1985 live version and then a 2013 live version. <laughs> live at the Lone Star in Kansas City. VHS cameras get such great sound. Yeah, yeah, just like the condenser, the compressor, whatever's in those microphones. It's so great. And Flans is just playing uh, a flipped over right handed guitar that he's strung. You can tell because the knobs are at the top of that strat. Oh, whoa, I didn't, even, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> C- couldn't afford uh, or couldn't find a left handed guitar he liked at that point? <laughs> Oh, here's my, here's the part I don't like. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like how Linnell is shaking his fist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is so great. Oh, this is, this might be the same show from that famous picture that of them. I don't know if you've seen that picture of like Flansburg on the ground and yelling into the microphone and Linnell's like crouched down with his accordion. So I can, I can tell because I was just looking. It's a picture that ended up on the back of an EP. But in back of them, he's got They Might Be Giants on his amp. And it's a Music Man amp. I can tell from a uh, picture I saw. He's got the okay. vinyl. He's got the vinyl copy leaned up against the chair that his amp is on. Because he's a businessman. And he's like, there's our album. It's, it's, it's right yeah. there. Uh, but this is from 85. The album wouldn't have been out yet. So this might be 86, actually. And then it has the giant question mark from the Don't Let's Start video is uh-huh. in the background there. So that, like, what I was calling that Baroque uh, keyboard part is on the backing track, and he's playing accordion live. Man, this is amazing. I love So good. It is so good. I wish I could have seen them as a duo. I mean, they've got a great, great band now. So, yeah, let's talk about how they do it these days. So so this was recorded in 2013. I guess throughout the tour, they recorded it and released what their, their favorite versions were, I guess, or their favorite takes. All the dishes got broken and the car kept driving and nobody would stop to save her. Touch my face, tell me every word has been erased Don't you want to know the reason why the cover's not appealing? Don't you get the feeling that everything that's right is wrong again? You're a weasel overcome with it Weasel overcome with it 
This is live? Yeah. It's a really wow. good live recording. <laughs> yeah, let's Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds like a studio recording. Yeah, I'm sure it's mainly off the board. So how do you like it with the live drummer? I like it. I like this version better than the album version. Really? The halftime version right here is better. Because it's just straightforward. Oh yeah, this is way better. Marty's a great drummer. Because the vocals here are just straight. They're just singing, and there's the harmony. So it's kind of like that reverse effect on the original you don't like? That everything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody would stop to savor. And now the song is over now. Now the song is over now. And now the song is over now. The song is over now. All right, cool. So, yeah, those are two versions, uh, 85, 95, 2005, 2000. Yeah, 30, so almost 30 years apart, those two live versions that we just heard. Nearly 30 years apart. Uh, they've been going for a while. So let's yeah. see what else did I have for you. Um, let's get to the two covers. Keep moving along. I've got a guy here that does an accordion cover, just okay. accordion and vocal. Let me send that to you. And so this is on YouTube. A guy, uh, the channel is Ryan is Foot Drums. <laughs> okay. And this is from 11 years ago, 2008. Don't you want to know the reason why the cupboard's not appealing? Don't you get the feeling that everything that's right is wrong again? You're a weasel overcome with tears. Weasel overcome but not before the damage done. The healing doesn't stop the feeling that everything right is wrong again. Just like in a long, long trailer. All the dishes got broken, the car can't drive, and nobody was stopped to say that. looks like one of my accordions. Everything right is wrong again. Every movement. Oh, he put some effects on the part that you were complaining about. <laughs> he put some of those effects on it if you jump to like 120. <laughs> oh, I hear it. Put some delay on there. <laughs> I think it's pretty pretty nice take on it. Yeah. Nice job, Ryan. Yeah. That's good. Nice. Good I'm gonna job. Give a, gonna give that a thumbs up. Let's see. And then I've got one more here. There's this guy, Lawrence, who I've played. I, I, I don't think I know his full name, but I've played his covers on a couple episodes already. He is one of those guys that just constantly is, is 
like you said, you just learn all the songs, and and in the YouTube era, you might as well record them all, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so here's Lawrence. Lawrence plays music as his YouTube channel, and this is from 2014. And so it shows him playing guitar and singing, but there are some other tracks that he has. You'll hear come in. There's like a banjo track. All the dishes got broken, and the car kept driving, and nobody would stop to save her. First comment says, "I never realized how much the song needed banjo till I heard it." <laughs> oh, I like him looking at the camera. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> Linnell thing. It's a very Linnell thing to do. Linnell loves looking at the camera on like late night shows. So he plays the bridge pretty straight. Every movement falls. Every floor is waltz again. Solid covers that guy. I played quite a few of his. I should find out who he is and, and get him on the show. <laughs> yes. So he he does a lot of the Might Be Giant stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a couple guys that I keep coming across, and it's funny. I keep like I've had out of the 40 episodes I've recorded, I've only had a couple of repeats um, that haven't even aired yet. But I keep finding people that are they're so into they might be giants that i'm coming across i'm like oh i i'm like just googling like whatever cover version and then like oh i just had her on the on an episode <laughs> like i'll be finding people that i had on as guests i'll find like a cover they did like eight years ago on youtube and i'm like hey i just saw a young version of you performing a ukulele cover of you know whatever <laughs> I love it. So we, you know, the the band I was talking about, Ogi Kubo Station, we just recorded a cover of Dr. Worm. It's oh! At the my, pressing plant right now, getting pressed. Nice. My band just released, my band Outdoor Valor just released a cover of Dr. Worm on our uh, covers album we just put out. I'll, uh, I'll send you a link to that later. I think you might like yeah. it. Um, so, do you want to play Everything Rise Wrong again? Yeah. I, I, I do. Yeah, and, hell yeah. Um, and you wouldn't have to play the whole thing. You you could cut it to exactly where you thought it should be. <laughs> yeah. Trim it, trim it to a minute. <laughs> okay, let's see. Hell yeah. Let's see if it's, sound, it's how the sound is through my... I can't even hear it, so I don't know if you'll be able to... Okay. Because with the headphones, I, I can't hear it. Oh, that, that'll do, man. Live okay. live on air. This is great. is wrong again. That's how it should stop. Yeah. 
Did that work? Yeah, very nice. Uh, Love it. It's weird. I started getting a little nervous. You know, the songs that Linnell writes, being a keyboardist, uh-huh. they're difficult for guitar. Like, because you know, you play some keyboards, right? So, stuff that feels good under your hand on a piano is going to be different than stuff that feels good under your hand on a guitar. On a guitar, you know. So, so a lot of the Linnell songs are tricky on guitar because he'll write stuff that's in like D minor, which isn't a particularly good uh, guitar key, you know. Or he'll throw like E flats in there. <laughs> I just suck at guitar. Basically, is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. Okay. What well, What was your first instrument? Was sax your first instrument? It was. It was nice. Saxophone. Trombone was my first instrument. That was my college scholarship instrument. Was trombone. Whoa. Yep, so and my wife was French horn. You're getting holy moly! Your your scholarship <laughs> trombone player. Holy moly! My yeah, God. Well, okay, it wasn't, ride. it wasn't a full ride. It wasn't a full ride. What's funny is the the seven piece <laughs> the seven piece band Blue Bottle that I was in. Um, we made it to California on one of our tours in the early aughts, but we it was almost the whole trombone section was in the band. So I played. Uh, trombone starting in fifth grade, but then I took up drums in eighth grade. So in the in this band, I actually played drums, and my other friend Steve, a trombonist, played bass in that band. And then we had two trombones. So there were four guys that could play trombone in that band. Two of them played trombone. I played drums, and the other guy played bass. But there were there were four trombonists in that band. <laughs> wow, that sounds awesome. All my that best friends awesome. are uh, all my best friends are uh, people I met in. Band, I'm that you know my oldest friends. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to college at uh, Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, Quad Cities. Okay, yeah, yeah. sounds sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, currently, actually, I'm playing a little bit of trombone. Um, uh, Outdoor Valor, my current band, we have two saxophonists, one guy who does exclusively Barry, uh, and then another guy that does some alto and some tenor, and we're doing a cover of Dirt Bike. Uh, off John Henry, and awesome. since my wife plays French horn, she can also play trumpet pretty well. So we do a version of it because it's got this whole saxophone trumpet intro where we're doing Barry tenor, me on trombone with my guitar still on, and Cara, the bass player, my wife, uh, with trumpet. So and then there's a little drum intro where we set our our trumpet and trombone down. The saxes keep going the whole way, but we do a trumpet, trombone, tenor, Barry uh, intro to the song. It's been really fun. I want to hear that. That sounds I, yeah. awesome. I got video of it. I'll uh, I'll send you. I'll send awesome. you a link. It's been super so before, fun. Before I forget, I the this story that needs to be told is yeah is the, is as follows. On tour last year in August, Okubo Station was on tour with Alkaline Trio, and during sound check, Mora the the singer would sing Doctor Worm and Megan the keyboard <laughs> player. They would they would harmonize. And I didn't even know the song. I just, I, it just sounded so Dr. pretty. Yeah, yeah. This, is crazy. this is like, so I've been out of touch and I was like, oh, who is this? And like, they might be giants. And I was like, oh. Well, it's 97. It, it's 97. So it's like mid, mid-period mid giants at this point. It sounded so pretty, them harmonizing. I was like, wow. And oh. that got me back. So last August is when I started listening again because in the van... I would just say, let's play They Might Be Giants. And Hell they would yeah. just, Megan and Mora would just harmonize to everything. So it was oh, such a rebirth for myself <laughs> and such yes. an excitement to hear these songs again. 
it was awesome. And then during sound checks, all we would do, we would just play the Miami <laughs> Giants songs. We'd just be playing Anna Aang, Don't Let Start. Um, hey, we were the replacements. Is that the name of that yeah. song? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it was just so much fun. And so that's why we decided to do the cover of Dr. Worm. That's amazing. And we did it in a way where you'll see when it gets released, we did it, uh, a little, uh, tribute to the Miami giants in addition to the cover. Hell yeah. Additional tribute. So hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll say that we, we, to you when it comes out. Yeah. We already did the Dr. Worm episode was number three. Cause that's, that's probably my favorite favorite they might be giant song and my wife was on that since we covered it and then we put we plopped our our cover of it in the episode of course self-promotion and um and we've been and uh we haven't been playing it live though we probably should start we've been playing dirt bike instead um but i would do you think more would want to be on an episode of this podcast Yeah. holy cow if you could uh, uh hook me up with a contact uh later that would be amazing uh, that's how I got 100%. Francis. That's how I got Francis from Hopalong because Hutch Harris uh, is like, oh, you got to You got to get her on because they do a cover of Dead off a of flood together. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice, amazing, it's all coming around. So Hutch, oh. Hutch is from my area. That's where he grew. He grew up in Northern California in the South Bay. We've mm-hmm. never met each other, but we've corresponded. Really? He he had yeah. said he had gone to Skank and Pickle shows when he was younger. And so we have like, I think our correspondence is usually through Twitter, but, uh, yeah, that's he's, our, he's, that's our... he's a red guy. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, dead, um, is the song. Uh, so you said you didn't own flood, but it's the song that goes, I returned a bag of groceries accidentally taken off the shelf before the expiration date. And it's just piano and vocal. That's the episode that he's on that came out about a month ago. I'll send you a link to that one. And, so. and he, he did a, a duet with Francis on it or they yeah they, they played it live a couple of times he said they hadn't recorded it but he said oh. they they're thinking they might record it but they'd done it they'd done it live before so what song is Francis doing uh she's an angel oh that's the song I wanted to do <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want to do another episode I'm all about that because this was super fun and thank oh. you for obliging me with yeah. a, a live cover I love that uh, so you got to score the song, though. What do you think? One one to ten out of uh, the They Might Be Giant songs that you're familiar with and whatever your favorite might be, uh, where does this rank in in their catalog for you? Ooh, I would say maybe like a 7.1, 7.1. Sure. I think that's a fair. Because I, I really like the song. It's just the breakdown uh, ruined it for me. Not ruined <laughs> it, but it ruined it from being like this great song. But that live version you played from 2014 that's a better version than the album version i think i'd have to hear it it's great uh with better headphones on but um sure that was awesome yeah yeah that that whole uh, first album live is available uh for free i could probably find a link to it uh, some website um uh, they they put it up for free um yeah the, the whole thing is great and so I think I'm, you know what, this is one of the few times where I'm going to score a song. Usually I score the songs lower than my guests just because I've got to consider scoring all of them through, you know, yeah. this is the 40th episode I've done. I think, you know what, I I think I like this almost as much as Dr. Worm. I'm going to go another 9.9. You know, this is close to perfect for me.
Wow. <laughs> and it's just, it wasn't the first Giant song I heard, but also just something about it being the first song on the first album just gives it even more weight. And it's just like the perfect song for them to pick to go first. I mean, Don't Let's Start obviously was the big hit on that album and Puppet Head was a, a, a minor hit too. Um, but as far as like that opening track, you know, you save the big single for like track three, track four, but uh, for an opening track, it's perfect. So I'm going 9.9. Oh, wow. Okay. Hell yeah. I like hey, it. <laughs> so we, so let's just, uh, yeah, let's, is, is there anything else you would like to plug? We did, we did a pretty good overview of, uh, what you're up to in the intro, but would you like to give everyone like, uh, any websites, social media type stuff that they should find you on? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're just on all the, the, the normal socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and just follow Asian Man Records more than anything. That will lead you to all the different bands, uh, all the different projects that I work on personally. And um, that should be an easy gateway to figure out what's happening in my world. Hell yeah. Yep. Every, everyone out there, if you're if you're a They Might Be Giants fan that wasn't uh, necessarily in the punk and ska scene, uh, Asian Man puts out so much good stuff and has since the beginning. I would highly recommend many, many records uh, on Asian Man. We talked about Eckline Trio. I'm a big fan of the Honor System records. Um, yeah, Slapstick, of course. You put out the uh, the uh, the full. Um, well, it's just self titled, right? The full uh, the whole discography. discography. Yeah, yeah, discography. Yeah. <laughs> so much good stuff. And you put out, uh, wait, the Smoking Pope's single, we, wait, we recently put out, their, you put out. Yeah, we put out their latest full length, Yes. Into the Agony. Uh, we also put out their last full length, uh, This Is Only a Test, and we re-released uh, Get Fired and their early collections. Smoking Post, one of my all-time favorites, being a Chicagoan, they have always been held a special place for me, and Josh Caterer is one of the nicest dudes, um, and maybe I could get him on this podcast, too. That's yeah, like, that, I, guy I can, to him in a that guy can sing. Holy he can cow. sing and play guitar. He would, he would destroy this song in, in a good way. He's just so good. <laughs> what I did was a, my very limited butchering uh, technique of... Uh, playing music but uh, no man it that's comes it's, from the heart. it's real it the and heart. it's raw yeah i love it i love it. <laughs> it it showed the passion so thanks again mike for being on that was awesome and um is the the wedding you're officiating is it tonight then it's tomorrow tomorrow it's tomorrow but i am uh going to the rehearsal in about uh two hours here all right well have yeah. fun thanks so much yeah I appreciate thanks it. again thanks for and- having me yeah, of and, course. Uh, yeah. Anytime you're, you're invited back anytime. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, I'll let you go do your thing and, uh, have a good time and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of this might be a podcast. I'm Greg Simpson, your host. You can, uh, find me and the podcast on Twitter uh, my personal Twitter is at Outdoor Valor. That's my band I talk about, of course, always plugging my shit. To find the podcast, we are at This Might Be a Pod on Twitter. Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash This Might Be a Podcast. You can email me, This Might Be a Pod at Gmail. And of course, you can leave me a voicemail. I love that stuff. You can also text me at this Google Voice number, 224. 224- 
224-801-2930. That number again, 224-801-2930. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd really appreciate if you go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Leave a review if you want. Uh, Go rate us on whatever podcast thingy you listen to us on. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe or follow on Spotify, whatever it's called. Thanks again, and we will see you next time on This Might Be a Podcast. And so long, everybody. 